This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. folks, and welcome to First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional. I'm your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MSCCC SLP, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast was, like most creative processes, birthed from a combination of a several cups of coffees and honestly, even more questions posed by a series of impassioned graduate students that I've had the pleasure of supervising over the last several years. First Bite's mission to answer those questions that we've all had, but we've either been too afraid to ask or we didn't have the subject matter expert saved to our own personal speed dials. So, do you too have more questions and answers when it comes to treating your medically complex and fragile pediatric patients? Are you unsure if the signs and symptoms that you're observing are indicative of an allergy, maybe an underlying GI issues, or could they possibly be neurologically driven? How many questions do you really have for that registered dietitian regarding the formulas prescribed and the flow rate through that patient's G-tube? Have you ever been consulted for a quote-unquote difficult latch only to find out that the mother is exclusively breastfeeding, but you've never nursed a little one or worked with the breastfed patient before? And what about functional communication? Are you so over flashcards, but you need advice on how to get started with core vocabulary with a non-speech-generating device or how to find the right fit for a speech-generating device? Do you have additional worries about the basic day-to-day running and documentation of your private practice? How do you go about obtaining referrals or even documenting that note so that the insurance company deems it medically necessary? If you answered yes, well, then come join me, Michelle Dawson, for this dynamic podcast presented by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Who am I, you ask? Well, I'm a self-described SLP geek with, as my family says, a touch of the ADD and ADHD. I have a passion for serving the least of these, namely the most complex and involved pediatric patients in their natural environment through my private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, in the Columbia, South Carolina metro area. I also have had the pleasure, and currently still am, traveling the country where I lecture on best practices for pediatric dysphagia and functional language acquisition delivered through an early intervention natural environment model. Are you still intrigued? Then come join me as I interview some amazing folks. And don't forget that you can submit questions for a Q&A or interview request topics to me via email at firstbite at speechtherapypd.com or on our Facebook page. And also check out our website, drop a review, subscribe to obtain those coveted ASHA CEUs. All right, folks, let's get right to it. Welcome back to First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional Resources for the Pediatric Clinician. I'm your host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. The topic of today falls in the functional category with emphasis on how fellow private practice owners and clinicians actually build up a business. On that note, I am excited to introduce my dear friend and colleague, Ms. Jennifer Tardy, 
Director and Referrals Coordinator for PT, the OT, Therapy and Wellness, as well as the Referral Coordinator for my own private practice. Jennifer and I met years ago while she was acting as my referral coordinator for a different private practice company where we were mutually employed. And I immediately fell in geek gal love with this woman who could bond with patients' loved ones over that first and sometimes fearful phone call that they made when they were trepidatiously wading into the waters for pediatric habilitation. Jennifer has been able to alleviate their concerns, answer their questions, build a bond, and pair a clinician with the right family with scary accuracy. Like she's, she's like radar missile defense level. Awesome. Uh, Her (laughs) keen insight has been instrumental in helping me survive these last few years and not just the support offered over coffee or a glass of red mommy juice, but her impressive, very impressive business acumen. And on that note, Miss Jennifer, lead us on into the wild, worrisome world of referrals. (laughs) So tell us about you. Well, um, I'm a director of um, mine and my husband's company, PTVOT Therapy and Wellness, and um, also do referrals for Michelle as well. Um, Mom of um, three children. Uh, so that keeps me busy, um, college graduate, and I'm also a certified nutritionist as well. So I wear many hats. Nice. Yes. You, and and you're, you're working on getting me healthier too on the side. So whoop, whoop. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, food log, we shall see. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I get, um, I, I was utterly petrified when I stepped out to open my own practice. And I remember um, you and Paul telling me, have faith, lean in, you've got this. But I was, I was scared because how was I going to get enough referrals? How was I going to get patients? Um, I mean, this is, this is petrifying when you first open up your own private practice, especially when it's your money that goes to pay your, your baby's daycare expenses or for school. And and you behind the scenes made magic happen. And it felt like little to no time I was running a full caseload. So how do you go about getting referrals? Because that's what most first time people want to know. Yes, exactly. And that's the, the biggest fear of um, clinicians going out on their own is how are they going to survive? Where are they going to get the referrals? You know, how do they do that? And at the same time, focus on um, their their discipline. Um, so how, how is that going to ha- happen? Um, so the main thing is, is networking. Um, that is the the most important thing is to network. So find if there's early interventionists in your area, um, connect with them. Um, either um, visit their office, send them emails with your referral form, um, send them a card with your business card in it or a brochure, um, just to let them know that you're there. Um, social media is really, really great. 
tool to use as well. Um, and it's free. It doesn't cost anything. Um, as well as um, contacting the, the, um, the doctor's offices in your area. So if you work with pediatrics, contact the pediatrician's offices um, in the area. Fax them a referral form and introduce yourself. And also find out who their referral coordinators are and make a connection with them. Um, and then you could go an extra step too is, um, you know, see if you can stop by the office sometimes so you can do a face-to-face -face visit and maybe give them a little something, um, uh, some chocolate or, or, you know, or whatever, just to kind of make yourself a little memorable. Um, and then just to make that face-to-face -face, um, contact. So the name, you know, the name to the face. Um, the other big thing is um, word of mouth referrals. So when you go above and beyond for your patient and make them feel super special, which they all are, um, they're going to tell other family and friends. And then before you know it, um, you're going to get flooded with calls and you're going to have a waiting list. Oh, I remember you saying, um, just, just pop by Dr. So-and-so's office. And I was like petrified. And you're like, Michelle, do it. Put your big girl panties on. Do it. And I sucked it up and I bought a <laughs> dozen donuts. <laughs> and like, I showed up with my little Dunkin' Donuts and was like, hi, I'm Michelle Dawson, speech therapist. Here's my new bright purple business card. And I was like petrified, shaking, sweating going in. And you were like, you're fine. But um, you know what? Feed the masses and they will come. And yes, and they remember. Hold on one second. We have an interjection. All right. Now, you also touched on social media. Now, I have taken a page out of you because you guys, you know, you open your practice up like a few weeks before I open my practice up. Yeah. Um, and um, your social media, your website, your Facebook page was it's it's nice. And you regularly post content. And for me, I struggle with that because I wear multiple hats and I have um, two tiny humans at home. And so do you have a guideline on what's the bare minimum you need to get out there on social media to start up with um, to let people know you're accepting patients? Where did you begin with that? Well, we began with with making the page and then we also um, did some researching on what um groups that were our target market, which is special needs children in our area, what support groups were there in our area. And we got on those pages. Um, and then you advertise there to say, hey, we have, you know, we have openings, immediate openings. This is how you get in touch with us. Um, and then that way, it's going to create that traffic to your page, um, like on Facebook, for example. Um, I think the bare minimum is probably do a weekly post. Um, and then, you know, do some hashtags with some buzzwords. So when people are researching, uh, say, special needs or speech therapy, um, you're going to pop up on that. Um, so okay. definitely weekly I have a question. minimum. I, I have a question. You say hashtags as if I know what a hashtag is, and I don't. Um, I just discovered hashtags for Instagram, but I've never hashtagged anything on Facebook. Can you hash? That's a stupid question. I'm a millennial. I should know that. But can you actually hashtag hashtag on Facebook? You can. Yes. Same way. Does it, does it link it to Instagram if you hashtag there? 
Only if you have um, your, um, from what I understand, your Facebook account linked to Instagram, but it will link it to Facebook. Um, Facebook. So if you do a search on Facebook for certain things, then different things, pages and and, um, posts will show up, um, you know, based (laughs) on that. So you can do a search on Facebook as well. I'm just thinking I've been in practice for almost two years and didn't know hashtags on Facebook was a thing. So way to go, Michelle! (laughs) You're not the only one, believe me. (laughs) My business partner doesn't know either. (laughs) Okay, well, that's that's reassuring that I'm not the only one out there. Okay, now, do you guys Twitter? Because I'm not, I call it the Twitter bird and my sister reminds me it's not the Twitter bird, but are y'all on Twitter as well? We are on Twitter, but I don't go on Twitter. I have my Facebook, our Facebook page linked to our Twitter account. So whatever I post on Facebook automatically reposts on Twitter. So I don't have to go and do double. Um, It automatically does it on its own. That's fantastic. That saves a a ton of time because, I mean, I don't know how busy... I know how many emails I send you in the course of a day. I can only fathom how many Paul sends you. And then for your own private practice, how many people send you emails? Exactly. Exactly. And and social media can get so draining and use up so much of your time. So you really want to limit it to like um, an hour first thing in the morning or in the evening. And you can even like on Facebook, you can even set it up so that you can schedule when something is going to post. So if you have you have three things to post, spread them out and schedule it for when you want that posted. Um, so you don't have to keep going back and it chows down your time and you guys don't have time for that. So no, we don't. OK. All right. So networking is key. Um, now, one thing that you said is word of mouth. And that was that I have found is a regional variation as to what each pocket of the country is looking for in um, an early intervention therapist. Now, um, we know I can, I'm a bit aggressive, but that's no surprise. I walk in, <laughs> as you're smiling and laughing, um, <laughs> I, I walk in the door and I'm out the gate with umpteen different referrals and you need to do this, this, and this, and we need to see this specialist. And I'll, I've gotten to the point where for a lot of the patients, while they're sitting on that wait list, because thank you, you have built me a wait list. Um, while they're sitting on the wait list, um, they're getting those referrals and testing done. Uh, but in different parts of the country, like when I was up in Manhattan lecturing, they said, oh, no, you can't make um, requests to see different specialists. The families will shut the door to you. A lot of them don't want to hear anything's wrong and they just they'll, they'll shut you out. So, I mean, I know you're a transplant. You're a Maine girl. How do you say it? Maine? Maine? Maine. Yeah. Do it again. Maine. Yeah, honey, I, I speak English and redneck English, so that sounds delightful. <laughs> um, but so you get like when you're in one part of the country and you move to another part. So how do you learn to read your local environment to know how aggressive or um, eager you need to be? Um, again, um, get on those boards, like the, the, the moms groups, um, in in your local community. Like if you work with special needs or pediatrics or adults and see kind of get the feel for, um, you know, 
what what they're want what they're wanting um what they're looking for and just kind of how things work um because we have different cultures in different um parts of the country all right you were saying that you'd have um uh different variations within the facebook groups yes yes so you know get on the boards that are local to your area and just see how um you know that um, um, social um, network is there because um, it's different depending on where you are. Like New York is different from South Carolina and South Carolina is different from Maine um, with, you know, with how um, people's behaviors and um, just that whole atmosphere is different. So just kind of, you know, get familiar with those boards and how, um, how people do things, you know, in those different areas. And that's going to help you out a lot. Um, the good thing here in South Carolina is we have early interventionists um, through BabyNet, um, which help um, to kind of guide us um, in, in those situations and um, to um, help us uh, get matched with, with different people and, um, kind of give us a background of different families and, and things like that when we're getting started out, um, you know, get our feet wet, so to speak, before we can kind of get our own referrals and through doctor's offices and word of mouth and things like that. Yeah. And, and I have found, I mean, I have found the through trial and error, you know, we, we get in with a new early intervention company or get a referral from a new early intervention company and they may not send the documents in a timely manner, or we have difficulty getting, um, the correct insurance information, and that can waylay our ability to treat, um, our ability to make the referrals for that child to then go see different specialists. And exactly, and, and I have found that once I find a good match with an early interventionist, and y'all, I know they have different regional names: um, service coordinator, family trainer, early interventionist. Um, when I was out in Kansas, I. All right, Kansas folk, I think y'all called them um, your case managers mm -hmm. and they had it set different. So the case managers might actually be the um, uh, the speech therapist or the occupational therapist for a couple of months, which was crazy. But yeah. getting in and making a connection with those people, oh my goodness, that was critical. And that was when you find your match, it's like you're jiving peanut butter jelly style and can make magic happen. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. You and I can squirrel, but I got to get us back to the next question. So hold on one second so we can stay on top of our objectives really quick. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that next question, how do you determine who you see first when you're having multiple referrals and we've built up a schedule? Like we've built up a wait list. Yes. Um, a couple of different things. It's not straightforward. Um, so if you are like yourself, you travel to different counties. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if, yeah. So if you have, and this is pertaining to home health therapists, um, it, it's different in the clinic and I'll go over that as well. Um, so for home health and when you're traveling in a wide geographical um, area, um, the first thing I do is I look at the, the, the waiting list um, referrals that are in that area. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have one spot open, say on a Monday, I can't put somebody 30 miles away in that 
spot because that's going to mess up your whole schedule and you're going to have to change, move everybody around and not everybody's able to be moved around. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have, if I have a few kids in that geographical area that would fit in that opening, I have to look at a few different things. Number one, I look at who's been waiting the longest. And number two, I have to see who is, it's kind of triaging, um, who's the most medically involved. Um, so for example, speech, um, a basic speech delay versus a child on a peg tube with a TBI, um, something like that is, I'm going to put that um, baby in front of the six-year-old with a mild speech delay who is also getting speech therapy in the school system. Um, So that's how I do that. Um, In a clinic setting, um, I'm going to do more triaging. Um, Who is the most um, medically involved um, with the highest need? Um, And it could be a four-year-old who has zero words. Um, I'm going to put that one ahead of an older child or someone that maybe has the same age, but has 20 words. Uh, so I'm going to triage that way based on need. And, and there were, there were factors that have come up that I didn't consider when I started home health or when, you know, we started this. And some of the, the first factors were um, nap times. I forget yeah. about taking into account other children's nap times. I mean, you know, we've had how many, um, uh, interjections and in nap times in our conversations from my own tiny humans, but um, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a thing. They're three. They it's very time. tricky because you have nap time, you have there's other kids in the home, yeah. so they could have pickup or drop off times, or they could be going to soccer practice, and the, the other one has piano lessons. Yeah. Um, it can go on and on and on. And even in a daycare setting, um, that could be even trickier, which you would think would be easier, but they have their own schedule to deal with. They have nap time, they have breakfast time, lunch time, uh, pickup time and, and getting settled in for the daytime. Um, so a lot of times those are even more trickier to schedule uh, at the daycares. Yeah. And, and then and then you add in when we get these kiddos that are incredibly medically fragile and um, you've got to time your feeding sessions around their G-tube feeds. Exactly. So, exactly. And, which I mean, we just had that happen on Monday where we had a kid who'd been on my wait list forever. Finally have an opening at 130. We get out, we do the eval and then come to find out. His last bolus feed was from 12 o'clock to one o'clock and his next feed wasn't until three o'clock and me going in at 130. I mean, I've shot myself in the foot. There's no way that particular child wants to eat at 130 when he just got done with an hour long G tube feed. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And, and, And also there's other therapists involved. Yes. They could have PTOT speech. Um, they could have um, a vision therapist, ABA, doctor's appointments, yeah. um, horseback riding lessons, you name it. There 
repeated course back, you name it. Um, so yeah, it gets very tricky, um, very time consuming, um, and a lot of uh, back and forth phone calls to try to make it work as best as you can. And sometimes it doesn't work and they got to be put back on the waiting list because it just doesn't work um, with what we have available and what the parent has available. Okay. So I just, genuine curiosity, has Paul ever gotten the chance to do aquatic therapy? A what? Aquatic therapy. He has, yes. Okay. Speech therapists don't get to do that, really. And I've had one family, you know, over the summer say, you know, we could just meet at the pool and you could do it there. And I'm like, drowning. <laughs> I'm not a good swimmer. <laughs> like, let's not do that. But like, I mean, I, you know, I think it would be a fun adventure to like go do therapy at a pool. I just, you know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So folks, if you're a speech pathologist and you're listening or you're watching and you get to do aquatic therapy, I want to know the ins, outs, why and how, because, you know, again, the drowning, but that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, what is, um, and I'm, I'm keeping us on our questions here because I know you and I can go in all the directions talking. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um what are and I'm just thinking the last time we met for mommy juice and tapas and that was so much fun and all the grounds we covered. Um, all right. So what is one of the most important things that you would recommend to a therapist, especially when they are first starting out? Like if if you could go back and look at y'all's private practice again or um, whip Michelle into shape again, um, you know, two years ago, um, what would you tell us with your crystal ball? I would say um, you got to be have a plan. You got to have a plan, have short term goals as well as long term. You're staying on track. So if your goal is to have um, uh, you want to your goal is to have 25 clients, for example, um, obviously you're not going to have 25 that first week. So what do you want that first week is your goal five to do five. Um, or, or even 10, you know, what, what can you handle as you're, you know, getting everything else. So having a clear um, timeline in mind with goals is really key. Um, having a good um, uh, website or Facebook um, to get yourself out there. Um, that's very important too. There's so much more than just one thing. Um, and if you can have somebody help you, um, that is going to help you a lot because it can be overwhelming, um, and scary, um, because you're used to everything kind of being done for you. And then, oh no, I got to do it on my own. And how is this going to work? So if you can have somebody help you or guide you, um, that's going to alleviate some of that stress too. Um, but once you do it, you're going to wonder why you didn't do it a long time ago. Um, <laughs> We've had that because, conversation a lot. <laughs> yes, because it is so freeing and so rewarding. And you really um, can lead a balanced life, um, be in your own private practice. Um, that, that would be the advice that you have given me probably the most over the last, I don't know, almost two years. Um, you're... You, I gauge my level of crazy with the multiple hats by um, our conversations. 
and you give me the feedback that I need. So I love having you as my go-to person for the referrals, but you always tell me, okay, so when are you taking time for you? You've got five, six patients, five days a week. Where Where's your gym time? Because, you know, it, we both know if I don't hit the gym and run, I'm not healthy. Like, you know, and you remind me of doing that. And and I, I need that. I need that. Um, and that's something that, I think a lot of therapists were called to be healers, right? Like that's, that's our calling in life is we go in and it's more than just a job. It's more than a career. Like we live, eat, breathe, sleep, um, worrying about our patients. Um, and we don't shut it off at the door, but making sure that you schedule time into your schedule for that balance. Yeah. It's a must. Yes. Okay. So then on that note, let's just throw that question out there. What would you recommend for people, um, especially in home health? Um, and I mean, early intervention, home health, how do we, what would you recommend for people to do as like a check and balance system for them to make sure that they're healthy? Um, when you schedule your patients, you also schedule time for you on that same schedule. Um, so that's very important. So if it's a yoga class or, um, going jogging or, you know, whatever you do for me time, you schedule it just like you would everybody else. Um, so, and you treat it just like an important appointment and you don't deviate from that. So that's, that's key. I will one day listen to that advice. I mean, I managed to make it to the freckle doctor. So like, yeah, or I got the appointment to get the referral to the freckle doctor. But like, you know, once he finds a good freckle wrinkle doctor, I'm, I'm game. But um, yes. Okay. So, um, I mean, I know that you're humble pie and that you won't put it out there. But like, if people have questions and they want to reach out to you specifically um, regarding um, how to um, like obtain referrals or if they need assistance with like, you know, that portion of their business, how do they reach you? Sure. Um, they can reach me through Facebook um, on our website. Um, it's PTVOT therapy and wellness. So just search it in the search bar and it will come up or you can email me as well. Uh, Jennifer.PTVOT at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions and help you along the way. Okay, beautiful. And then um, any last uh, parting words of wisdom for the uh, social media or anything, anything that's picking your brain that you need to put out there? If you're thinking about um, going out on your own and um, doing private practice, um, do it. Set up a plan and, and go for it. Um, you won't regret it. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember... Feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, 
and feed those babies. 